Get ready for a week-long celebration of music, community and fabulous fun with Joy Radiothon 2024. Joy has the largest collection of rainbow podcast content in the world and you can help keep us out loud and proud by donating during Joy Radiothon 2024. Just go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. Mark it in your calendars because Joy Radiothon returns June 1st to 7th and remember, we all flourish with joy. Well, make it so, number one. What? These aren't the droids we're looking for. In an insane world, it was the sanest choice. Silencio Bruno. That's my axe. Hey, fellas. Either one of you know where the Smithsonian is? I'm here to pick up a fossil. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. Geeks out on Joy 94.9. You're going to need a bigger boat. Welcome back. You're with Miranda and Haley. And right now, you've been especially excited for this one, Haley. Yes. The, the Legend of Vox Machina, which comes from Critical Role and Titmouse Incorporated, starring Laura Bailey, Tellison Jaffe, Liam O'Brien, Ashley Johnson, Sam Regal, Marsha Ray, Travis Willingham. Special mentions for guest stars David Tennant, Tony Hale, and Stephanie Beatrice. We've got a quick trailer for you right now. This is the legend of Vox Machina. Evil rises. Our only hope lies in these brave warriors. What the f***? Right. Who else have we got? I'm sorry, who the hell are you? Who Vox Machina? We f*** shit up. Let's go! Oh, come on, come on, work! You can't be seriously considering them for such a task. Our reputation is less than stellar. If killing for gold isn't getting us anywhere, maybe we try doing some good this time? Nah. Boring. If this evil persists, the kingdom will starve to death. I suggest we run right now! We fight! Grog, you're hurt. No big question. This is normal. Oh, oh no. Lots of bleeps in that one. (laughs) Now, for those of you who didn't quite pick up on what it's about, Vox Machina aren't the most lauded of heroes. Actually, heroes might be a stretch, but when the realm is in danger and a major threat has wiped out their greatest... Even a band of drunken vagabonds will do when it comes to saving the world. Now, we've got a bit of background on this one. This wasn't supported... 
officially by any studio. The critical yeah. role, the critical role team started this as a podcast, as, as a D and D campaign. Yeah. So, um, the story behind it is that essentially, uh, they ran in the same uh, circles as, um, Felicia Day and Felicia heard from some friends that Matt Mercer and his crew were running this really fantastic D and D campaign. And she just approaches him as like, how would you like to put this on geek and sundry? And he's like, I'll give it a shot. And then it became so popular that they eventually just spun it out from Geeks and Sundry onto its own thing. Now, for folks who aren't familiar, what is Geek and Sundry? Geek and Sundry is a channel run by Felicia Day um, of the Guild fame. And she runs in various, like, uh, geeky circles, uh, basically covering all things geek and nerd. They do board games, uh, a little bit of video games. They do a lot of, like... Marvel, DC, comic books, fantasy, sci-fi, you name it. Now, as mentioned, it did start as a D&D game that was podcast. In making the show, a lot of studios were reluctant to give mm. the green light to a D&D game, which led to Critical Role crowdfunding for this production. Backers raised 700 and $50,000 in 45 days, which covered the project. But overall, it received over $11 million from just under $89 million backers. Haley, you were one of those backers. I, I, I don't want to overstate uh, my importance here. I only donated like one or two Australian dollars to that huge <laughs> amount. Um, but yes, I did, I did back it when I got a chance. Um, and it was... It was really fun watching because, like, I remember videos uh, coming out, like, after the thing had only been live for 24 hours and they had already, like, blown through. Because they were only asking for, like, a little amount to make, like, a 30-minute animation and that was it. And they just blew through the amount <laughs> inst- almost instantly. And they were just, like, there's just a video out there of Matt, Marisha, and uh, Troy, uh, sorry, uh, Travis, sitting on a couch just, like, like looking shocked and just going, Welp, um, I need a drink. Holy crap. Kind I of mean, chump change from 89 million people does mm. add up. Yeah, yeah, it definitely does. Um, and then that got the attention of those same people that like rejected them. And now, you know, they got e- given even more money. And now we've got like a, a series on Amazon Prime that has already been renewed for a second season. <laughs> And it just came out on the 28th. That was three yeah, days ago. Three days ago. I, I'm going to be honest, I kind of binge-watched this. <laughs> I just sat down and was like, yes! I mean, my big question for you is, does the show live up to your expectations? Yes, yes absolutely it does. Um, I, I kind of already knew what you were going to ask. Is like, yes, it does. It is, <laughs> it is perfect. It capsulates what made uh, the Critical Role podcast so great. Um, what made Vox Machina such an interesting set of characters. Um, it is so fun to watch them run around and be their usual chaotic self. <laughs> I particularly am fond of, I'm going to get them mixed up because they get them mixed up all the time on the show as well. Uh, watching Vax be every bit of the bisexual disaster <laughs> on the screen as he was in the comic, and uh, not the comic, the podcast was fantastic. We, we do love a bisexual disaster. Now, when I was watching the show, and I've seen the first two episodes, it does watch like a game of D&D with friends, which is the point, but mm. 
anyone out there who has sat at a gaming table in spite of your most noble intentions, you might want to go out and play some epic hero. It eventually turns into crude jokes, shenanigans, and acting out some of your less than wholesome fantasies that you can't necessarily engage with in real life. And The Legend of Vox Machina really captures that. Yeah, it does. Um, I mean, every D&D group starts off as Lord of the Rings and devolves into Monty Python pretty quickly. <laughs> Um, and, like, these guys are no exception. It's quite clear that they've been adventuring for a while, and my favourite thing is that Pike essentially just opened up on the thing, can we try doing some good for once, instead <laughs> of, like, just whatever we've been doing? Uh, Scanlan Shortholt is one of my favourites. Uh, in the podcast, he used to sing, like, really bad... Uh, slightly raunchy covers of various songs. Here they've written a, a bunch of musical numbers for him that he pretty much performs once an episode, and they are as as raunchy as you would expect something coming out of uh, Sam uh, Sam's mouth to be. It's- I mean, you expect so. You heard how many F-bombs there were in the trailer. Yeah, just yeah. Now. I want to talk to you a little bit about the animation right now, because it Mm. was very fluid, very smooth. Uh, The action was absolutely solid in this. Yeah. And that, that's on, that's done by Titmouse, who are absolute legends at this point in the, um, in the industry. They've worked on everything from like Avatar and the Last Airbender and Animaniacs to, uh, one of my personal favorite shows, The Venture Brothers. They've been (laughs) All over the industry, and you can tell that they're they're really masters of their craft. Like you watch the action scenes, you watch everything. Everything's really well plotted out, choreographed. Uh, they're dropping and adding fl- frames when they need to. It's it's fantastic. This is probably the pinnacle. If you're a fan of Western animation, this is probably as, as good as it's going to get. Basically, um, it's it's fantastic. Now, I, I want to say, even though this is largely a comedy. One thing that really enamors this series to me is that it never loses its focus, Mm. taking seriously the danger to the realm, even if the characters themselves aren't always serious. The the creators have succeeded in blending humor and fantasy action without stepping into the realm of full parody. You've got characters Mm. that cock up, and they do often to comical effect, but they don't become inept when doing so. Their victories feel earned over legitimate accidents, which I feel really draws in audience support. Like, we're not watching people failing upward. We're talking... Mm. um, We're talking an unrecognized band coming into their own. And and that's, that's one of the really, like, great parts of this show is that, like... Everything feels incredibly realistic. When they, they, they entered into the first episode into that danger unprepared and we saw the result. They learned a lesson and they took it in, uh, it, they made it internal. And the next, uh, next story arc, um, has them applying that lesson that they've learned of like always being prepared and like running with it. And it, it's, it's great to watch those characters. This is essentially a show that where you watch these characters grow and mature from awful drunken louts to some of the greatest heroes the realm has ever ever seen. So because this is based initially on a Dungeons and Dragons campaign, I know what role does the dungeon master Matt 
Mercer playing this? Do we get him pop? Because when you're when you're playing yeah. a dungeon master, you're essentially playing every non-player character. You're doing voices of old witches, people running taverns, sometimes even animals. So you know, Matt Mercer. You know, for someone who's a fan, where does he pop up in this? So he pops up as not he's not only the narrator that in- introduces the show on the first episode, which is incredibly fitting. There are also just little characters in the background doing very <laughs> bit parts that look exactly like Mac Mercer and are voiced by him. And they're just like, there's the guy who checks their weapons at the ball, and then there's another dude who's carrying <laughs> carts. And he's just got these all these little bit parts that he's just playing, which is incredibly, like, it, incredibly suited. Like, the, you just think there's like a bunch of clones running around at times, but then <laughs> it's, it's not too noticeable that it distracts. It's really, really well done. I mean, I kind of. I personally would have been happy if he played every character who was not the main <laughs> cast, just like a real dungeon master has to. I think that's a nice little inside joke for Dungeons and Dragons fans. Yeah, it's absolutely. This is, this is one for the fans, but it's also, it's not too in, uh, inhospitable that newcomers can't get involved. Um, it's definitely very beginner friendly. Absolutely. Now, You've been a fan of both the podcast and the TV show. Yep. So how does this function as an adaptation? Um, pretty, pretty fantastically, actually. Um, it really does work so well as an adaptation and it's really, uh, delivering on what they promised, uh, which was pretty much the, sh- the, the podcast main manifest. I came across the podcast, uh, during a difficult time and it got me through a, a lot. Like I was homeless at the time and I came across this podcast and it kind of, you know, it gave me a little bit of joy, uh, during those, those moments. And to see that stuff on screen now is fantastic. And it, it is absolutely delivering on everything it's set out to do. I mean, I imagine this is a bit more distilled because we don't get the out of character conversation that yeah. you would normally get in a Dungeons and Dragons campaign. Like they are, they are distilling some story elements. So there are some little moments that do feel a little rushed, but overall, like, um, they know when to cut superfluous stuff out. Uh, the transition from the first introductory story of the two episode arc into the Briarwoods is really well done. As then, though, I think there was like a, a, a little bit of story between, uh, the, t- those two arcs in the, in the podcast. For sure. And like, Cut that out. We just jump straight to the Briarwood, Briar uh, start of the Briarwood story and Percy's journey, um, and put that on screen. Uh, they, the people who are behind this, the story, the script writers and stuff, definitely have done a lot of work to, um, yes, uh, if you podcast. want to check out Vox Machina, and it is accessible to, to audiences who haven't heard the podcast, episodes one to three of The Legend of Vox Machina are streaming now on Prime Video with new episodes dropping each Friday. When we come back, folks. This podcast was produced by Joy Media. You can support Joy's diverse sound and diverse community this June by donating to Joy Radiothon 2024. Go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. And remember, we all flourish with joy. 